السلام علیکم و رحمت اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده و نصلی علی رسوله الكریم اما بعد فاعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رب شرح لی صدری و یسر لی امری وحل العقدت من لسانی یفقه قولی اللہم اہدی قلبی و صدد لسانی وصلل سخیمت قلبی Kitab al-Tahajjud, the book of Tahajjud, inshallah will begin from bab number 8. Bab man tasahara falam yanam hatta salla subh. Bab chapter man tasahara, the one who tasahara, he ate sahur meal. Falam yanam, then he did not sleep hatta salla subh until he prayed fajr. Earlier we learned that the best Qiyam, the best night prayer near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the prayer of who? Prophet Dawood alayhi salam. And what was his usual habit? That he would sleep in the first part of the night, then he would wake up, he would pray, and then he would sleep again. And we see that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam also, he would do that. But then does this mean that a person must adhere to this schedule? Is it okay to stay awake after suhoor? So for example, if a person has eaten sahur and he's unable to fall asleep, right? Or he's afraid that if he sleeps, he's going to feel sick. Or he's afraid that if he sleeps, he's going to miss his fajr. Which is quite possible because there isn't a long time sometimes between the end of the hajjud and, and the beginning of fajr. Then is it okay to sleep after the fajr prayer in that case? Yes. And what is the proof of that? حدثنا يعقوب بن إبراهيم قال حدثنا روح قال حدثنا سعيد عن قتادة عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه أن نبي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وزيد بن ثابت رضي الله عنه Anas bin Malik reported that the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Zayd bin Sabit radiallahu anhu, both of them one day, tasahara, they both had the sahur meal. فَلَمَّا فَرَعَ مِنْ سَحُورِهِمَا Then when they were done with their sahur meal, قَالَ نَبِيُّ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ فَصَلَّهِ Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he got up in order to go, to perform the Fajr prayer, and then he went and performed the Fajr prayer. إِلَّا لِأَنَسٍ So the people to whom Anas رضي الله عنه was reporting this narration to, they asked him, كَمْ كَانَ بَيْنَ فَرَاغِهِمَا مِنْ سَحُورِهِمَا وَدُخُولِهِمَا فِي الصَّلَاةِ كَمْ How much كَانَ بَيْنَ How much was there, meaning what was the duration between فَرَاغِهِمَا مِنْ سَحُورِهِمَا They're being done with their sahur meal وَدُخُولِهِمَا فِي الصَّلَاةِ And when they began their salah, meaning fajr salah. So how much time did they leave between their sahur and fajr salah? Did they pray fajr salah right after they had sahur? Or did they leave some time? And if they left some time, how much was that time? Qala, he said, كَقَدْرِ مَا يَقْرَأُ الرَّجُلُ خَمْسِينَ آيَةً Same duration as that in which a person would read 50 verses. Meaning, the Prophet ﷺ did not finish the suhoor here and get up right away for Fajr Salah. There was some time that was left in the middle and how much was that time? Enough in which you can read 50 verses. Alright? And there are different narrations in which we learn 50 verses or 60 verses and basically if you look at it, it's about 10 minutes. Around 10 minutes. 
Alright? So what this shows is, the reason why Imam Bukhari is bringing this hadith over here is to show that after suhoor meal, the Prophet ﷺ did not sleep. Alright? So if a person is waking up at the time of suhoor, this is before Fajr, so literally right at the end of the night, a person is getting up and they're praying their tahajjud at that time, should they sleep after? Is it a must to sleep? No, it's not a must to sleep. You make the decision depending on how sleepy you're feeling and how much time there is and what are the chances of you waking up for Fajr in time. Right? But there's one thing in this hadith which I would like to clarify. Some people think that between Sahur and Fajr, right? between Sahur and Fajr, there is a time off and they call it Imsak. Alright, so many timetables you will see in which the time of Sahur, alright, it ends let's say 4.45 and Fajr begins at 5. Alright, not that the Iqama in Masjid is at 5, no, they will say Fajr begins at 5. So the 15 minutes in the middle they say, don't eat, don't pray. And this is known as Imsak. However, this is misunderstanding the Sunnah. In fact, Shaykh bin Uthaymeen, he went as far as to say that this is an innovation. This is not according to the sunnah. Now, from this hadith we see clearly the Prophet ﷺ finished the hur. There was time for about 50 or 60 verses and then they prayed fajr. Why that gap in the middle? Why that gap in the middle? Simple. The reason is that people would pray fajr in the masjid at that time. And it's not possible for a person to finish his sahur here and be in the masjid the next minute. It wouldn't be possible. People would need time in the middle to wrap up their food, put it away, then make wudu, go towards the masjid. Correct? So, and also, everybody would be waking up at different times. Right? So this is why this duration of 50 to 60 verses, meaning this time of about 10 to 15 minutes was given, so that everybody could make it easily to the masjid. And what is the proof of that? There's another hadith in Bukhari which tells us about that, that Abu Hazim, he said that he heard from Sahib bin Sa'd, radiallahu anhu, who said that, يَقُولُ كُنْتُ أَتَسَحَّرُ فِي أَهْلِي who said that I would have suhoor meal in, with my family, ثُمَّ يَكُونُ السُّرْعَةٌ بِي Then I would be in a rush and أُدْرِكَ الصَّلَاةَ الْفَجْرِ مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. That I should be able to catch the fajr prayer with the Prophet So you see how he's mentioning that right after suhoor, he would be in a rush to get to the masjid and perform the salah. And so for that reason, 10 to 15 minutes is sufficient. Right? Now we learn in the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that eat and drink, meaning sahur, until when? Until the time of fajr enters. So until the very last moments. And we have made religion even more difficult. And what do we say? Finish 10 to 15 minutes early so that you're on the safe side. Hmm? We have made the religion difficult. You can eat and drink until the time of fajr begins. And this concept of leaving a gap of 15 minutes, right, or finishing sahur 15 minutes early, this is not from the sunnah. This is making religion difficult, unnecessarily hard, and those who make religion hard, the Prophet ﷺ said that such people are doomed. In hadith and Muslim we learned those who go to extremes are doomed. Those who go to extremes are doomed. Those who go to extremes are doomed. Three times the Prophet ﷺ said that. 
So what do we understand from this hadith? Firstly, that you do not have to sleep after tahajjud or sahur. It's not a must. Alright? Secondly, we learn that you can eat sahur right until the time when fajr begins. Right? But the Prophet ﷺ would leave some time between ending sahur and beginning fajr. Why? For the convenience of people. Alright? For everybody's convenience. Any question? Okay. The question is that what if you are in a masjid in the end of uh, the month of Ramadan and you pray qiyam over there and everybody's eating sahur and then the announcement is made that uh, 10 minutes are left for fajr so stop eating. Right? Now, understand what they mean by 10 minutes. Do they mean that until the time of iqama? Hmm? Or the adhan? Adhan. Okay, so over there, I guess, what I understand is that they're observing imsak over there. Right? Now, do not create an issue. Okay? And say that, oh, I have to eat and drink because this imsak is a bid'ah. Right? Don't make an issue over there. Stop eating. As long as you're done, and if you can, continue to eat quietly in a corner, in the car, outside, somewhere. Carry on, but don't make an issue out of it. Of course, you're allowed to drink water, you're allowed to drink until the time when Fajr begins. Alright, go ahead. Okay, the reason why I differentiated between Adhan and Iqama is because Adhan is technically made when the time enters. Alright? And iqama is for when they're going to start praying. Alright, jama'ah. So generally between adhan and iqama there is a gap. Okay, like for example 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Typically for every salah and every masjid there is time given between adhan and iqama. Because that is a time when you pray your sunnah, your nawafil. So generally that time is given. Alright, yes. Of course, I mean, if you are in the middle of, you know, finishing your bite or finishing the last few sips of your <laughs> lovely tea, then you can have it quickly. But if you know that this is going to take time, then just finish your last morsel and be done with it. Okay. الْقِيَامِ فِي صَلَاةِ الْقِيَامِ Making the qiyam long. فِي صَلَاةِ In the night prayer. حدثنا سليمان بن حرب قال حدثنا شعبة عن الأعمش عن أبي وائل عن عبد الله رضي الله عنه قال صليت مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ليلة عبد الله narrated that I prayed with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم one night this is the tahajjud prayer فلم يزل قائما حتى هممت بأمر سوء so the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم Continue to stand, and of course if he's standing, what is he doing? Reciting the Qur'an, making the qiyam long. So he said, he continued to stand until I intended to do something very bad. Qulna, the people who are listening to Abdullah radiallahu anhu, they said, وَمَا هَمَمْتَ What did you think about? Like what was that really bad thing you thought of doing? قَالَ هَمَمْتُ He said, I thought... An aqruda that I should sit down. وسلم, and that I should leave the Prophet وسلم, to stand alone. What is he saying over here? That the qiyam was so long, I felt like I could not stand anymore. I wanted to sit down. And he's calling this a very bad idea. Why is he calling this a very bad idea? 
Why would it be bad? Isn't it permissible for a person to sit down during nawafil prayer? We learned about that earlier, didn't we? That in nawafil prayer, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling, you know, your feet are hurting, you can easily sit down for part of the qiyam or all of it, and there's no harm. So why is he saying that this was a very bad idea? How is it a bad idea when it's permissible? Yes? Exactly, because what was his position in the salah? He was the ma'moom, and who was the imam? The Prophet ﷺ. So it would not be right for him to leave the Prophet ﷺ standing, alright, and then he is sitting down. This would be disrespectful to the Prophet ﷺ. Look at the adab that the sahaba had. Hmm? And look at the respect that he's calling this very thought a bad idea. That out of respect, he doesn't even want to sit down, even though it is permissible. Okay, now what do we learn from this hadith? Why is Imam Bukhari mentioning this hadith over here? To prove that the qiyam should be short or long? Short or long? Long. How long? Sometimes so long that you feel like you cannot stand anymore. Hmm? And where you feel that you cannot stand anymore, that is when you either sit down or you go into rukur. حدثنا حفص بن عمر قال حدثنا خالد بن عبد الله عن حسين عن أبي وائل عن حذيفة رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان إذا قام للتهجد من الليل يشو صفاه بالسواك. So Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, he said that when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi would stand up for the tahajjud prayer in the night, what would he do? He would yashusu his mouth with the siwak. What does yashusu mean? That he would clean it. He would clean it out with the siwak. Alright? You see, one is that, you know, for example, a person is flossing their teeth and, you know, really thoroughly cleaning every part of all of their teeth, all the surfaces, all the sides. And the other is that you just generally, generally clean it. So this is yashu usu. Alright? That he would make sure that he would clean his mouth for tahajjud prayer. Why? What we learn from this is that it's a sunnah to clean the mouth for tahajjud prayer also. Alright? Why? Why is rinsing the mouth alone not sufficient? Hmm? What's the reason? Because generally we would think, oh, I'm going to go sleep again after the hajjud, right? And then, fajr when I wake up, I'll just, you know, shower and get ready for the day and that's when I'll clean my mouth. But why clean the mouth for the hajjud? What's the reason? Yes? Exactly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that خُذُوا زِينَتَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدٍ Adopt or take on your zina, your adornment, your beautification at the time of every masjid or at the place of every masjid and this includes prayer also. Right? So part of beautification is also cleaning. In fact, that's the first step. That you clean at-takhliya, you get rid of the germs and the smell and the dirt and then there is tahliya, then there is adornment. Right? So, cleaning, yes, even though wudu is necessary, but he would clean the mouth additionally. Why? As part of, you know, beautification or cleanliness for the purpose of salah. Any other reason? Yes? Okay. If you think about it, in Qiyamul Layl, what are you doing mainly? What are you doing? Reciting. Isn't it? You're reciting the Quran. That's the highlight of the night prayer. 
Correct? So as you're reciting the Qur'an, what are you using? Your mouth. Right? So if you have bad breath from the sleep, from the night, then what's going to happen? Are you going to enjoy that salah yourself? Firstly, will you enjoy it yourself? It will be difficult for you to even focus. And when you clean your mouth, what happens? You feel awake. Isn't it? And from hadith, we also learn that when a person stands up in the night prayer and he recites the Qur'an, then the angel takes the Qur'an because our deeds are uh, taken by, received by the angels, right? And they record them, they carry them. And so the angel takes the recitation of the Qur'an directly from the mouth of the reciter. Right? Directly from the mouth of the reciter. So it would not be appropriate to put that angel in difficulty. Hmm? Before we continue, just one more thing I would like to add over here. Where the Prophet ﷺ is so concerned about his body for salah, his mouth. Hmm? Then should we be concerned about the rest of the body? Hmm? The rest of the body that it should also be clean? And maybe our clothes also that they should be clean? Yeah? So if we haven't showered for three days and if our clothes are smelling, hair is smelling, I mean if there's person was unwell, that's a different story. Right? But if the clothes are smelling, the body is smelling odor and things like that, then it needs to be cleaned. So even when we come to the class, we should, inshallah, make sure that our clothes do not smell. Because I understand that when you're wearing, especially women, when you're wearing the abaya for a long time, a whole day, you know, two days or three days in a row, it can get smelly. So pay attention to that also, inshallah. باب كيف كان صلاة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم How was the prayer of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم وكم كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي من الليل And how much did the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم pray during the night How many rakaat did he pray Firstly, how did he pray What was it like And secondly, how much did he pray So these are two questions or two matters that are going to be addressed over here حدثنا أبو اليمان قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال أخبرني سالم بن عبد الله أن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال he said إن رجلا قال يا رسول الله a man said O messenger of Allah كيف صلاة الليل how is the night prayer how am I supposed to perform the night prayer قال the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said مثنى مثنى what does that mean in sets of two. Two, 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 how many ever twos you want. فَإِذَا خِفْتَ subha. Then when you're afraid of the morning, afraid of the morning, meaning you're afraid that the morning is very near. فَأَوْتِرْ بِوَاحِدَةً Then perform witr of one rak'ah. Meaning, you perform tahajjud prayer in sets of two rak'ah. After every two rak'ah, you say the salam. Right? And then what do you do? How do you conclude the tahajjud prayer? With a witr. And witr in this hadith is mentioned as how many rakat? One rakat. But from other hadith we see that it's supposed to be in? In odd numbers. So either one or three or five or seven, even nine. Nine in a row without a salam. Inshallah, I'll talk about that. Now, what we see in this hadith is that the Prophet ﷺ did not specify the total number of rakat. 
Did he say four or eight or ten or twelve? Did he say that? No. He said in sets of two. So a person can pray as many sets of two as he wants. Alright? So it could be a total of eight. It could be a total of six. It could be a total of twenty. It could be a total of forty. And it could be a total of just two. Alright? Depending on how much time you have and how much energy you have. Right? And how long of a qiyam you're doing. You know, for example, if a person is reading the part of the Qur'an which is, let's say, the last few juz, alright? Surahs are shorter over there. Right? So for example, a person says, okay, in every rakah, I'm going to recite one surah. In one rakah, surah qaf. In the other rakah, another surah. Right? So, like that, a person can pray easily eight, ten rakat. Isn't it? But if a person is reciting, let's say, Surah Al-Baqarah, and as they recite it, they're like, I don't want to break my recitation. Right? So you recite, you know, almost a juz in the first rakah. In the second rakah, almost an entire juz. Now what happens? You're kind of tired. You may be tired. You may not be able to perform all eight. Right? Or ten, or twenty, or how many ever. So can you just stop after four? Yes, you can. You see over here, the Prophet ﷺ specified the method, not the number. Correct? What is the method? Two, two, two. Salam after every two. Did he specify a number? No. So if a masjid is praying 20 rakat taraweeh, what will you do there? What will you do there? Just stop after eight. Yeah? No. When you're praying behind an imam, if you want the full reward, you're supposed to perform what? The entire prayer after the imam. So if the imam is praying 20, you pray 20 after him. If you want the reward of praying all night. Isn't it? If you leave after 8, you don't get the reward of praying all night. Alright? So begin and end with the imam. How much ever that the imam is praying. Alright? Now we see over here, so firstly it's clear that the number of rakat has not been specified. Right? Secondly, with regards to the witr, witr. Here we see the Prophet ﷺ said, pray one witr. Now, witr can be any odd number also. Alright? It can be any odd number also. But the way witr will be performed is, one way is that, there's a hadith in Muslim in which we learned that the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed Nine rakat witr. What does that mean? That nine rakat he prayed together without saying salam in the middle. Alright? Beautiful. Every rakat after sajda, he would get up. He would get up. He would get up. Alright? But in the eighth rakat, he sat for tashahud. In the eighth rakat, he sat for, for what? Tashahud. What is tashahud? At-tahiyyatu lillahi wa-salawatu. Only till the end of the uh, tahiyyat. Alright? And then he got up, performed the ninth rakah, and he said the salam. Okay? So the witr can be any number also. Of course it has to be odd. Okay? Now, this shows to us that there are two things over here in the night prayer. The first part of the night prayer is what? Qiyamul Layl, which is going to be in sets of two. How many ever? Two, four, six, eight, twenty, how many ever you want to do. 
The second part of the night prayer is what? The witr. Which can be one, three, five, seven, nine. Alright? And we see that this can be performed all, the witr can be performed together with just one salam. Alright? With one salam. But remember one thing. Witr should not be performed like maghrib prayer. If you are performing three rakah for witr, you don't sit for tashahud. Alright? Even if you are performing five rakah for witr, you don't sit in the fourth one. Alright? If you are performing seven rakah for witr, you don't sit in the sixth one. But if you are praying nine rakah, then you sit for the eighth one. Is it clear? Is it clear? When you're performing witr, I'll repeat it again. When you're performing witr, alright, you will not sit for tachahud in the second rakah, or in the fourth, or in the sixth. You will only sit for tachahud if you are performing nine rakah witr, and in which rakah will you sit for tachahud? The eighth one. Why? Because that is what the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did. All right. That is what the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did. For example, in a hadith in Ibn Majah, we learn Um Salama said that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would pray with five or seven rakat, five or seven, and he would not say salam between them, and he would not speak between them either. Meaning he prayed them continuously. She did not mention the tashahud. Alright? In another hadith we learn, Aisha radiallahu anha reported, the Prophet ﷺ used to pray 13 rak'ah during the night, observing a witr out of that with 5. So a total of 13, 5 is what? Witr. How much is left then? How much is left then? 8. Right? So eight, he would do in sets of two, and that is the first part of the night prayer. And the witr he is doing, five rak'at together. Clear? Is it clear? Not clear or clear? If there is anything confusing, please ask me a question. Yes, sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You also sit for the, the ninth one too, right? Of course. Okay. For the ninth one also you will sit because that is how you're going to end the prayer. Somebody had a question there? Yes. You see, you will only understand this if you do it. You have to do it. And once you do it, you'll figure it out. It'll be clear. Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. Is there a tahashud for the witr prayer? And when do you read that? Like you said, you don't read the second rak'ah or the fourth rak'ah or the sixth rak'ah. You yeah. can only read the yeah. But if so, I want to pray three yeah. witr, when do I read? You just sit in the last one, not in the second one. Only one. So if you're praying one witr, of course, how are you going to end that witr prayer? By sitting in the shahud. Right? Okay, let's say you have more time and you want to pray three witr. Alright? Now, technically, you can separate in the sense that you perform two rakah, you say the salam, and then you get up and you perform one rakah. You can do that. But if you want to pray three with one salam, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit in the second one? No. 
you're not going to sit in the second one because the witr should not be like maghrib. When are you going to sit then? Of course, just in the last one. What about when you're praying five rakats? What are you going to do? Are you going to sit in the second one? No. Are you going to sit in the fourth one? No. Are you going to sit in the fifth one? Of course. What about when you're doing seven? Are you going to sit in the second rakat for tashahud? No. Fourth rakat for tashahud? No. Sixth rakat for tashahud? No. When are you going to sit? Only in the last rakat which is the seventh one. Alright? What about if you want to pray nine? Then what? In the eighth one you will sit for tashahud. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ did that. Of course, how else will you finish the prayer? Yeah. See, the ninth one, of course you have to sit. When you get up from sajda, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to end the prayer? You have to sit in tashahud. You have to say the at-tahiyyat, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, your du'as, and then you say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Right? Yes. Assalamu alaikum. Could you please go back and discuss the 13? Uh, yes. You said there was a 5 and then an 8. Okay. Could you please explain that? Okay. So the hadith that I mentioned, uh, this is from Abu Dawood, where Aisha radiallahu anha said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he would pray 13 rakat in the night, and he would do witr with 5 of them. So what we learn from this is that he would pray eight rakat in sets of two. This is the first part of the night prayer. Two, 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 two. How much is that? Eight. With four salam, eight rakat. Right? Then after that he is doing witr. How many witr? Five. With how many taslim? How many salam? One. How many tashahud? Only the last one. Okay? Clear? All right. So what is something new that you have learned today about witr? Tell me something new that you have learned today about witr. Yes? Yes, that you can pray witr more than one rakah. Alright, you can do that. Yes? Okay, the question is, did the Prophet ﷺ ever pray more than nine? I mean, here we see that he prayed 13, right? Meaning including the witr, then it is 13, right? We will see in the following ahadith. Alright, about the different numbers. Before we continue, one more thing. Because this hadith is discussing the kayfiyyah, the manner in which the Prophet ﷺ would pray the hajjid prayer. One more thing about the manner is the, the way of recitation. How should the recitation be during the tahajjid prayer? How should it be? We learn in the Qur'an, وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا That in the Qiyamul Layl, Recite the Qur'an with tartil. And what is tartil? That you recite in a way that your mind and your tongue are in sync. What do I mean by that? That what your tongue is saying, your mind is also processing. Alright? Which means that you are consciously reciting what you're reciting, and that you are reflecting over it also, where you know the meaning. And if you don't know the meaning, at least you're paying attention to the words and the manner of recitation. You understand? Because sometimes when we have memorized certain things, we recite them in such a way that we just, you know, it's like start and then the engine is just going, going, going. There's no pause, no reflection, no thinking about what we're saying. And then all of a sudden we're like, what am I saying? Where am I? Lost completely. This is not how we should recite the Qur'an. We should recite it with tartil. So the mind and tongue should be 
in sync. Alright? One more thing, the Prophet ﷺ would sometimes recite loudly and sometimes softly. What do I mean by loudly? Shouting? No. Loudly so that it could be heard by people who were around him. Softly, as in it could not be heard by people who were around him. Alright? And both of these manners of recitation, they're mentioned in the Qur'an. And we also see that basically it's both sirri and jahri. Qira'a can be sirri and it can also be jahri. Sirri is like how we recite in zuhur prayer or asr prayer. How, how do we recite? Softly, quietly. And in maghrib and isha, how should we recite? Jahri. Right? Especially in jama'ah, in congregational prayer, how is the recitation? It's loud. Meaning it can be heard. So this is how we can recite in tahajjud prayer also. Either way is fine. And use your wisdom. Sometimes you're praying in a room where people are sleeping. And if you were to recite loudly, they would be disturbed. Sometimes you are praying in a separate room where you're all by yourself, you can recite out loud so that you can have increased focus and you can stay awake, right? So that's fine. So both ways are permissible. Did you have a question? Okay, inshallah we'll get to the dua. Alright, the dua of witr, inshallah we will get there soon. Inshallah. The question is, can we read from the mushaf in tahajjud prayer? Yes, we can. Okay, yes we can. What you can do is, there are big mushafs available. Right, Masahif, big ones available so you can get a big one and then keep your recitation in such a way that in one rakah, for example, you read both the pages that are open in front of you. Alright? And then when you get up from the sajda, then you just turn the page once and then you recite the two pages that are in front of you. So this way there is minimal movement and you can also get recitation done.